everybody and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel we have the one, the only, Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. So good to be here. And we have the illustrious and eminently well-known Shai Resnick. Hey, I thought I was the one and only. Anyway, <laughs> hello, this is Shai Resnick from Test No, Angular. no, Shai, that's different. You're <laughs> my one and only. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm Sharesnik from testangular.com, the place you go and test your Angular. Hello, everybody. Heck yeah. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Go check out Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The audiobook should be out early January, and the paperback and ebooks are already There's on Amazon. There's an audiobook. Woo! Heck yeah. Well, there's not yet. That's what I'm doing next Monday. Chuck, you know how I feel about audiobooks. They're I amazing. I have no idea. <laughs> I love them, Chuck. I love them. So that I'll is super to, exciting. I'll have to read it in my best Barry White voice. Anyway, <laughs> we have a special guest this week, and that is Juan Stoppa. Hello. How are you doing? How's everyone doing? This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. You're over on Shai's side of the ocean, so uh, do you want to just give us a brief introduction as far as who you are, what you do, why you're famous, favorite flavor of ice cream, all that stuff? Yeah, sure, yeah. And how to pronounce your uh, name? Yeah, my name is uh, Juan. Some, some people say Juan, other people say Juan, you know, uh, but it's actually Juan. You know, it's like a soft. Because I think you, you would say H-U-A-N, Juan. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Spanish, yeah. And, and his uh, name? It's Stopa, so because I have a combination of Sound German. Argentinian, Italian. It's Italian. It's Italian. Ah, Italian. 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 Name, yeah. My grandmother was Italian. Yeah. So the best of uh, both worlds. <laughs> yeah. I speak the Italians. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I've been to the Italians. All right. Okay. So I'm 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 a software engineer. I live in London now, and I'm a software engineer, and I I work for a company called Wealth Dynamics, and uh, and we. Mm build uh, solutions for for the enterprise especially in the financial services and yes it's, a, it's a, i've been living been working in this company for the last 5 years but before that i was i was um, doing yeah always working for the enterprise you know i worked for, for some banks from uk banks and 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 yeah kind of doing consultancy you know before doing .net and uh, and since you know i would say it's in, for the last 5 years is is more mostly front end and angular so uh, one question, how is it uh, working for a uh, Captain Jean-Luc Picard? How is it? Like, <laughs> <general>? <laughs> yeah, I didn't work for that specific one. But, but uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting. I think it's, I worked for four years for, for I can say this, it's for Barclays. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, it was mainly doing no, no, no Angular. But at, at the end of, of those four years I worked with them, I kind of introduced a bit AngularJS and we started exploring it. That was back and you know, between 2012 and 2014. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's okay. I think it's, we were working in this uh, center of excellence, say, that is, is specifically in CRM, but it was a, a, micro, a Microsoft product that, that you can customize it and, and put JavaScript on, tip, on top of it. And at some point, people started using Angular just for the JavaScript that you put on. And that's how kind of, I kind of in, got introduced into, into the Angular world. First of all, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in the enterprise world. Uh, so that's, I think that's the topic for today podcast, right? Let's dive in. I have a lot of, a lot of questions. In, like I'm also always interested in like the big products, like the large scale apps and how you solve problems on that scale. Um, and I, I would love to hear like first <laughs> jump into state management because I think this is like, you know, the, the, one of the hardest problems we face in the last few years in the front-end world. Yeah. And I feel that we have a lot of solutions for like managing basically the cache layer in our application, which I call NGRX and you know other solutions, basically uh, cache management because we are dealing with cache and it, we need to spread throughout our components. But nobody talks about the real problem I think, which mm. is the synchronization between the server and the client data. So yeah. every time you update some entity, you need to manually go, even with NGRX, even with, like you need to create an effect and to update, make sure you update all the queries that depend on it and all that stuff. And the only solution that I saw that deals with it uh, more automatically is GraphQL. So th those are my thoughts, and I'm exploring now like all the different solutions and to try to find a better like you know conventional way or standard way to like deal with it. So I wonder like from your experience, what do you think about that? The challenges, the solutions you you use to solve these challenges, and your overall right. take on state management. Shy, you just need to use Meteor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I, no, you see, I mean, I, I can tell you a bit more of, of my experience. I think it's um, what I found, at least in the company that I work for now, is, is uh, back in the days when we started doing the, the product and, and, and Redux, and, you know, was, was, a, was a completely new thing, at least for us. We, we just couldn't figure out how, how it worked or how, how to make it work. So I remember at least the, the first product that, that, we, that we built it. Is we did the state management ourselves, just using uh, RSJX, you know, and and and, and behavior subject. And to us, it, well, the, at the beginning, it was really more about we build a lot of dashboards, you know, and and uh, and we constantly need to to change the dashboard for how they are for different clients, you know. It's we normally you know you know in the enterprise, what I see is you're not to worry about the the time that it takes to to render something in the browser, but but it's I think it, people appreciate more the ability to to customize things, you know. And I think it's, it's for instance, we we en ended up having this sort of solution in the dashboard where you when you have widgets and the widgets can can talk to to different APIs, and then you need to have an estate management in the middle where where you really um, you need to make sure that if two widgets want to talk to the same to the same endpoint, then you only do one one uh, reply and. Or you do only one call and, and so on. That's something that we 
we initially solved it with with um, using just normalized JS and um, but yeah now now you know with the Apollo client and that sort of things you can you can do it easily with just spin up an Apollo client it does the state management for you I haven't used GraphQL specifically to to do together with the NGRX for instance but I do use it. Do you need it with NGRX? Like Apollo client uh, isn't I, like a standalone like yeah, a, I haven't, alternative I, to NGRX? I haven't looked at all. Uh, the, the time that I use it is I use it with, I use it sometimes with NGRX or other times without. But I, what, I, what I'm finding is, is the, um, that they come with their own state management, you know, and, and especially the caching side. You don't need to worry about that, that bit of, you know, they, they manage the, this, uh, this caching for you just to make sure that you don't keep, you know, banging requests to the server. And I think it's, it's, uh, in our case, you know, you, you start kind of in, in, in these dashboards, you end up having these, these widgets pointing to, to specific uh, endpoints. End but something that we've been exploring also is, is this idea that, that now with, with GraphQL, you can build your own query and then you can tell this is the data I want to, to, to retrieve from the server. And then, but then at, at that point, I think is, is a, Apollo client is really good in the sense that, that it will make sure that only brings only make the query that, that, you, that, that you want to. Currently, this is what you're using. Like in your company, you're using Apollo client and GraphQL? We are using for one of, of our products, that, but it's more at the moment is, is we are going through an Angular upgrade. And we are we are definitely investing a lot of time on, on that. What are you what upgrading I, specifically for Angular? Is it like from one version to the other? Yeah, I, th- I think we we are we are doing a literally a, a um, no, I wouldn't say completely rewrite, but but um, we are just restructuring the product in the way that it works, and uh, and we want to just do it in Angular nine basically. So that, that's what we are doing. Very thinking. nice. Yeah, yeah, it's. I'm kind of curious. You know, you're talking about you know, whether or not to use Apollo client or, you know, how, how this fits in with NGRX and things like that. But one thing that I find in a lot of these enterprise setups is that you have a lot of people involved. Mm. So when you're making these moves, how do you coordinate between different teams and different stakeholders and folks like that to make sure that everybody knows what's going on, everybody's on board with the changes and the stakeholders are informed as far as what's going on and how that's going to move? Yeah, no, that, that's that's a this, that's an interesting challenge because um, if I tell you a bit in 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 in, in my experience or at least in my company, we started before with this other product that is called Dynamic CRM. It's is from 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 Microsoft. We literally move into a product that is completely done in in um, the front end. At least it's, it's it's only in in Angular, and we use this other product from Microsoft, uh, literally like a like a database. And um, we had to go through through a lot of, you know, kind of moving the whole company to do .NET and MVC.NET, you know, into into learn Angular and doing, you know, front end development. And it's it's interesting. I think it's, it's um I think for for us is we've been implementing, for instance, the monorepo approach. I think it's something that putting monorepo and creating, you know, packages that have uh, exposed certain APIs and 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 it have. Uh, so, for instance, in in, in these frameworks, is is uh, you can talk to to these packages in in certain way, and you can really go under the hood and, and modify whatever you want. You know, it's it's really keeping the whole team and and, and that in you know within a product or how you use the libraries, you know, without extending too much. 
It's just, I think, I think it's all about processes, really. In, in my company at the moment, we have, you know, 50 developers, you know, 50 developers working in different teams, different teams work for different clients, but they're all delivering the same product. So that, that's, uh, that's very challenging. <laughs> just, it's just, you really need to keep everything. It needs to be done in one way and it needs to be structured. In, in, so in, in what way you are like uh, currently solving like the state management coordination or like in general? So at, at the moment, so we, we, we have a number of apps, but, but some of the apps we are using NGRX and for all the apps we, we are just using, we build our own uh, cache system and it's, it's basically the legacy one that is, is using behavior subjects and uh, just doing, you know, the caching in one in central place. In this case, you know, just to, so just to make sure, you know, when, when a user lands in a page, you know, and it start navigating through different, could be dashboards, it could be forms, and then going back and forth. And you just make sure that you, you only request to the server what is needed. It's, it's like having your own database in, in, your, in, the, in your front end, right? And, um, uh, so you, you wrote it, uh, like a custom, custom solution for uh, managing all that craziness. Yes, yes. A lot of the things that we do are, are very generic, you know, and um, I don't know how to explain that <laughs> without going, but, uh, you know, some, sometimes we build things in a way that you... Configure it's, it's, with JSON? Yeah, no, it's, it's not that. It's, it's more about, uh, so how deep you want to go in the abstraction, basically. So the problem there is you get, you get into a problem with the type safety, you know, because you, you, because you get, you read, you get JSON, you get back JSON, you know, it's, it's something, something you don't want to, you want to avoid. But, but sometimes you build something like, a, let's say, a component or, or a widget. It could be that, that you really want to be able to, to talk to different type of APIs. I mean, in, in, in our case, there is a lot of, I would say, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that, that we, there are certain things that we don't want to have to do development if you want to change it. You know, there is yeah. there is some level of configuration in, in, in some cases. So, and uh, and for us, you know, it's all about shipping the product, you know, as quickly as possible to the client. The trade-off of customization, basically. So, a lot yes. of enterprise applications ha- usually have lots of forms. They usually yeah. have uh, dashboards and widgets, like you, you talk about, to present to the clients like a customized view of all the data. Basically, a lot of forms. That's what I know. It's, <laughs> like, yeah, it's forms, <laughs> dashboards, and, and processes. You know, and and the the, yeah, the other thing is processes. Flow. It's it's more a backend thing. It's more about let's say there's a process that needs approval and needs to be escalated, and then it comes back and moves to the next one. And it's it's all about that. And there are people coming from the different parts of the industry, and they completely they well, this is all rough. You know, how can you be doing this? But but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's for us, is what did we deliver the, the value that we deliver to the client. You know, it's it's it's, a, it's so so key. I'm just curious. You said that you know a lot of it's about getting features out to the clients as fast as possible, and that made me wonder: Are you doing like continuous integration where you can just push up, or do you have to basically like stack features together and ship them out at certain times like what's what's the flow like in such a on such a large project we do have um ci you know and, and continuous integration is is um just to to give an example is it, it it works a bit like a library you know you know like like in your repo you might be using the angular library and you know and the angular team is building the library for all the clients to to use it you know 
it works more or less in that in that way, if that makes sense. We build all our products in 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 these packages that they get built overnight, and then they get applied into into each of our um, that's awesome client process, and then then and then they get the, the feature as, as they go. I mean, it probably that, that's as much as I can talk because, of course, it's a proprietary. <laughs> Right, right. No, no, no. What is your uh, Visa card uh, secret? Three digits. digits. The other other thing that I wanted to ask you about is the first thing I think of when I I hear about like projects or companies that are so big is architecture. So I wanted to ask you, are you doing the mono repo thing or how is your architecture? Yeah, in in that... uh, in that sense, we, we are using the monorepo. We have, um, it's kind of, um, at, at the moment, what, what we want to make sure is that when we, when you trigger a, a, um, a change, you know, is, is in the same commit, you, you have the back end and the front end. And then we run tests around both, both areas. And then, you know, overnight, then you run tests, uh, the end to end testing and, and all that sort of thing. We do use a monorepo. We also use this, this tram, tram based development. Uh, approach that is basically it's, it's all always one one branch and you can create features from there and then you know get approved for a PR by but it carries on and when you go live basically you just take a you know a snapshot at that point in time but then you you can carry on development in your in your main, main branch I think that that's pretty much the trunk based development approach feature um, flags and stuff like that yeah exactly yeah feature flagging and and uh, well, I mean, that sounds logical. What's the alternative to that? Like, if you're, what would be the alternative to trunk based? I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Branches. Yeah. A lot of people will do the work in a branch and then do mm. a giant merge. And yeah, I, I mean, there are trade offs, right? Because you can work on your branch for as much as you want, and then you deal with all of the integration at the merge. The flip side is, is if you're doing trunk based development, then you're doing a bunch of smaller commits into the trunk. And so you deal with all of the integration as you go. And so if something something moves that you have to deal with, you deal with it when it moves instead of when you merge. Yeah. Okay. There are different pains for both approaches. But that's usually, as Shai said, why you use the feature flags. So you can essentially turn it off so it won't break the app unless yeah. you have it, you know, that feature flag turned on in staging or on your machine or on a couple of But then like wouldn't wouldn't like essentially everything be under a feature flag like every little thing? While it's under development usually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any tips for that uh, Juan? I think yeah, well, in that perspective what what I've seen is it's all about abstraction at the end of the day, I think. If you you don't want to add too many feature flags, you know. And at some point is you also want a framework that, that gives you the ability to to create new features and, and you can, because, you know, if you have a functionality that through a feature flag, that's A or B, right? Sometimes you also need to think about carefully and say, well, actually, maybe I need a component A and a component B and they should be completely different and, and they are no, they, they don't interfere with each other, basically. My advice on that is, is it's all about abstraction. I think is so at least building your architecture around Making sure that you can scale and create new components, but but at the same time, you know, you don't go the other way of you know having then you have the code splitting things that, that you need to make sure that, that you don't have to download your whole code base every time that that you 
you run your application because you have so many components. If that makes sense, that, that's something that Angular Nine will will, will solve. Okay. I see because and, uh, if you are working with feature flags, now you have a bunch of or lots of new like hidden features that uh, your client might download, although yeah. they don't really see them because they are under a flag, right? Exactly. So and 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 if you or let, let's say that you have a feature flag to use. I mean, I keep I keep coming back with, with the dashboard, but let's say you have a hundreds of hundreds of uh, widgets, right? So, but then every time that you load something, you need to download all your widget code. You know, if you don't do a right code splitting. But now with Angular Nine, that will allow you to to you know you don't need a, a module to have a component. Yeah. You know, and and it's still components. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I think there are some solution, but they they are they are not very. Well supported, I think, but but I think we with Angular and I will be. They're still trying to figure out what what um what what happened with these uh, high order components. I think they are called, and how that all all gonna f- fit together. But I guess it's something that's gonna get come in in Angular ten. But but at least as as Angular nine comes, like I I I've been testing already just how to you know lazy load components without modules and 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 uh, and it seems to be. Working pretty well. It works in AOT the deployment, so so that that's it. it works in Internet Explorer. So that's good. <laughs> oh, IE, nice. Yeah. You know that my brother was an IE. Anyway, so that's a private joke between me and Elisa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I want to ask about uh, we mentioned testing, and this is a topic close to my heart. So, what's your current workflow and like stack? Are you doing like a Microtest or doing just end to end or and what do you use which tools? Yeah, so um, we do a, a, a unit testing, but it's it's, um, it's more based the, the normal one, the 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 one that come with with a, with a, with a Jasmine and Karma. Yeah, yeah, we are looking into Jest now just to to get a bit more. Um, and then there is a tool that we use that uh, every time that I talk to people in the company, <laughs> nobody cares <laughs> about. There is a tool called Catalon. It's some sort of a tool that comes on top of uh, of Selenium and has an IDE. And at least the, the manual tester that we used to have, they, they really like it, and, and they, that's how they configure the the end to end testing. And, uh, and that, that's what we are What's using. What's that called again? It's called Catalon. Catalon. It's I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I get the same the same answer, yeah. but between the the, the the people that do manual testing, it looks like it's, it's very famous, and uh, and it's something that we use, and and, and it does work. You know, it's no. Um, so, for instance, I was trying to, to to say, well, maybe we need to use Cypress IO, but but it goes a bit too technical for some of the manual testers because we're just trying to to get you know some manual testers to make sure that uh, they move into doing more you know automated testing rather than. than and just so, for our listeners, that's a uh, Catalan with a K. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So developers uh, don't write uh, the end-to-end test. You have uh, you rely on the manual uh, QA team. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And like in terms of uh, coverage, because because in, with feature flags and also with like uh, continuous deployment, monorepo, it's very like 
I know that it's almost impossible not to have like good coverage and still keep your sanity. Yeah, I think we we do a lot of end-to-end testing. I think it's that, that's that's for us is because there is a lot of configuration there, and so uh, we do what what we call a, fl- a flow of scenarios, you know, use cases, and, and run them yeah. end-to-end and uh, every night, you know, and, and and constantly boom, 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 <laughs> just to make sure that our product is is so fast. so. So this is uh, automated or manual? Automated, automated. Yeah. Oh. Okay, and then what you, do you we, use for tool, that? Yeah, that, that tool called Catalan. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. We also we also use the Postman, you know, for for the API. So it's basically at the same time that since we are doing both at the, at the we we trigger both at the same time. So you can do the flow just for the API and 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 the flow with the with Catalan, just doing the the, the actual front end. Nice. No, I I hear about all the, your your testing um, course, and I, I need to dig into that. It's, uh, Sounds really interesting. Oh, nice. For people who don't have prior experience uh, as of uh, now, but I think that when you go more and more into enterprise and monorepos and stuff like that, testing become much, much more important, uh, especially what you talk about, like the integration test between stuff and uh, uh, when you have lots of configurations that you cannot really test that easily with the unit test, then like tools... Like uh, Cypress or Testimio or like uh, like you mentioned Catalon or stuff that can help you automate the end-to-end test become much more important. No, absolutely, yeah. What other challenges do you see like uh, in enterprise development? So we talked about state management, we talked about testing, we talked about monorepos, feature flags, and trunk-based uh, development. What other challenges do you see when you need to develop uh, enterprise applications? Well, I, you know, sometimes it's probably not not technical, but sometimes agreeing with the requirements, you know, and that that that, that sometimes could go through a through a, a long period of, of um, I would say, you know, in some way I call it innovating. You know, is is just getting few ideas and then you know just try to you you come up with a f- first idea of how something would look like, and then you put it in front of the client, and then the client says, well, actually. No, and then you kind of keep going back and forth, you know. And I, I guess it's a challenge that, that anyone, you know, I guess when Spotify or any company, you know, release a feature and people don't like it, then they need to go back and, and build it and just make sure that you don't break the product at the same, the same time that you do that. I think the hard part for you is that you're dealing with so many clients, or at least it sounds like it. So you have it on a much larger scale. It's not just you know, like oh, the one person doesn't like how this works <laughs> so yes you know that's that's the thing yeah and we're um, doing uh, a b testing because you have feature flags that makes it like easier probably yeah we we don't and and that that's the other thing that uh, i will release cycle is not as as quick as as you you will normally have the thing is that of course it, it, every time that we we release to a client that the, the client wants to test them themselves and then they so you could, you could go for some time for months, you know, to to release something. That's the challenge in the enterprise, I would say. Is is um, I haven't seen. I mean, all the companies that I work is is they normally go through a long release uh, processes and and they roll it out in you know in, in months of de- development. Yeah, that's uh, that can be very very frustrating, especially if you're working on something and then after all six months. 
it, it gets a rollback or like a change of direction and it can yeah. be very frustrating. So do you use any type of uh, framework to manage like the feature flags? No, really. No, no, we don't. We don't. But um, it is something that we should definitely explore, I guess. So you mentioned the challenge of like uh, long release cycles, which probably that's why you have a lot of uh, QA, which usually takes time and <laughs> yeah. really tedious. The, the uh, other challenge is interesting is, is supporting, and I think I mentioned before, is supporting Internet Explorer because that's something that every single company or, or the enterprise is still using. And I think is, is the reason is that, um, or at least the, what I've seen out there is that they, they you know, just, just imagine for a large bank where they have, you know, hundreds or sometimes thousands of employees, they, they all have the same setup, you know, they all have the all same machine and they can control everything through Internet Explorer, what they access, what they don't access. And, and, uh, and of course, you know, it's increasing one version of Internet Explorer. It just, it means a, a full setup, you know, or, or just making sure that the, that gets rolled out across all the all the company and work for all the different type of and that's the problem that, that sometimes you know is it's gonna be until until Microsoft pull the plug and say I'm not supporting anymore and and basically it's it's a big investment for them to go and say, well, you know, I'm gonna we're gonna move all our uh, workflow or all our setup to to something like Chrome, for instance. And, and yeah. But well, basically that's the the main market for Bing currently no so <laughs> yeah yeah it won't change it yeah well it's interesting too just to look at because sometimes some of these go away not because ie falls out of the support cycle but like windows xp i think just fell out of the support cycle right where it's no longer supported by microsoft and so you know once windows vista is gone then ie will be gone because there won't be then then we're talking windows 10 and windows 10 probably won't even run IE. Yeah. It's interesting for some some large company, I would say they they, they still have application running in civil life for instance. Just to, I know that it's, it's been five years or six years wow. ago. And, yeah. and that's something that I haven't seen I've seen them literally running probably four or five years ago, but but I guess it's all legacy system that them they don't support these sort of things is is also problems. So currently we, you need to support IE? In uh, your product? Yes, currently, yes. So how do you deal with that? Well, we need to test it in both. That's the thing is that some, sometimes, you know, you, you can kind of uh, need to, yeah, test it in both, both sides. And, and even the testing is a bit of a problem because because they, all these tools like Catalon, they, they don't do really good testing in Internet Explorer. They, they just don't support it. But yeah, it's, it's every single te- every single thing that we do is we need to be testing both software in, in both in Chrome and, and Internet Explorer. But By the way, ch- check out uh, testim.io. It's T-E-S-T-I-M.io. That's a cool they, tool. Yeah, that's a very cool tool. They support any browser you want. And it's basically, it's a Chrome extension that lets you record like, the right. steps and uh, it replays it. Uh, in the cloud and stuff like that and very cool so check it out if you're looking for an upgrade or something like that yeah all right so before we have to move on to picks and wrap up i wanted to ask i saw in the prep notes that you'd mentioned the difference between working with like such a large company and the difference with people and culture 
So I don't know if you wanted to hit on that note a little bit, the differences that you noticed with people. Yeah, so that that's um that's also another interesting take is is uh, that well, I mean I, I I remember when I got into the Angular war, it was it was actually going to Angular Connect back in two thousand and fifteen. I think it was the first one because we we were kind of at that point you know developing in Angular JS and and uh, and we decided to go to Angular Connect because we wanted to to upgrade our, our product and Angular two was coming you know and. Um, and what I found interesting that, that I went there and, and I found the whole this new world for me was I mean it's, it's actually all the people that are, that are doing you know like like you guys and and are into that that that's when I, I saw you for the first time I think the, the shy um, and, oh no uh, oh no oh, <laughs> I had a horrible lecture back in 2015 okay, okay. that's what's the first impression <laughs> okay no all right. Um, yeah, no, no. What I what I found there is that uh, I, 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 you know, I meet a lot of people in 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 the enterprise, a lot of very talented people that uh, are really good, and they don't, they're not in Twitter, they're not in, you know, they don't know a lot about uh, the community, and and that's that's a bit sad, I think. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm I'm really trying hard just to get, you know, at least people in my in my company to to be a bit more, you know. To go to like to use uh, Twitter or GitHub, things like that. Yeah, it's also <laughs> like that because it's um, you know the, sometimes there are things like they just find out about features just you know months later of <laughs> that they they actually come out of the. That'd be such a that'd be such a different like culture to hang out in because uh, <laughs> I don't know I'm used yeah. to the JavaScript world where everyone is overly using Twitter or <laughs> other yeah. social media, so. What do you mean, Alyssa, by hang out? (laughs) (laughs) Usually you drop your pen at like three and that's the end of the day. My pen. I love it. I do have a pen at my desk, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. You write your code in a notebook (laughs) and you give it to the manual uh, Uh, runner. You have a runner, a person. Oh, I see what you mean. An actual person who's running. Who's running <laughs> your code? <laughs> Man, the the merge messages on on those kinds of commits have got to be brutal to rectify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, page get by your, page. Get your red pen out. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, code review. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I wanted to ask about was just how you share components and you know set style guides and things like that across you know fifty developers on various teams, right? Because you want to have a consistent look, a consistent feel, a consistent way of approaching a lot of these things. How do you make it so that the code feels uniform and so that you don't have to invent the wheel over and over and over again when you need a new component? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a soul about centralizing the, the, the UI, basically, and, and getting... But at, at the moment, we use a SaaS, a, a SaaS basically, and, and everything is, is kind of a standardized and... And it goes through through someone that is specifically looking at at the, the UI side. We struggle with that for a long time, but I think we are getting to the point where, where we are there. And I think it's in our solution, for instance, at the moment we use Bootstrap, and um, and we kind of try to follow that or theme it basically around that. But I, um, what I found is is that it's better to to kind of you know go to and unless you are very um, you know a lot about building design systems. I think it's it's better to stick to one and and try to theme it and and, and do everything that way rather than 
otherwise, you know, if, if anyone will go their own way just trying to build it. So just for the record, you have a person who is in charge of the design. So instead of a storybook, you have a person. You see what I mean about enterprise? It's always a person instead of a program. <laughs> yeah, but you have so many people. <laughs> even if you pull in a storybook, I love that that's somebody's responsibility, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's not just out there where it's, well, somebody will take care of it, maybe, sort of. But it's, okay, there's a problem here and it's Joe or Jane's job to check on it and make and sure. And also, I, I joke, but uh, I really like the... So most of the time we, when we hear podcasts, we hear the latest and greatest, right? And it can make people feel maybe a, a bit down because they are not using the latest and greatest or like, you and know. And I think new. you're so right. Like most people aren't using the latest and greatest, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. And they, <laughs> and they can feel like out of the loop or something like that. And, and I really appreciate uh, uh, Juan coming and showing it how it, it really is like in, in the day-to-day development where most of us would like to have a storybook mm-hmm. and would like to have, you know, all the shiny tools but where we have to deliver value and we have to do, deliver it fast and we have to like get the job done. So we do what we can and we manage through it and we try to, you know, do the best. Yeah. So that's why I appreciate uh, having like, you know, an honest point of view of how real development is taking place. I think we, we now, we're, we're now, you know, exploring next storybooks and, and he's, but I think it's, it's, it needs to be someone's responsibility. You have to have a, a UI person and saying this is the way that you know you build the bottom and how you put it and the color and uh, and it, it gets rolled out centrally basically. And uh, yeah. we had a similar conversation yesterday on JavaScript Jabber, except it was security. We had Kevin McGrail on, who was on this show or on uh, my Angular story. I don't remember, but yeah. It was the same deal, right? It's we have you have to have one person whose responsibility it is to check up on your security. Yeah. And yeah, then you know that they're on the hook and they know they're on the hook, and so then they'll make sure that it's done right. Yeah. I say oh a person or a team at least, or you know, that that's yeah. something that is responsible. Now we even, you know, put it put it in PR approval. Our PR process is any if you modify any HTML file, you know. Somebody, there's an, an additional one more person needs to go and check mm-hmm. that things are done run or even in the CSS file. So, uh, yep. but yeah, it's interesting. We hopefully we're gonna, you know, now um, doing the, all this upgrade to Angular 9, and hopefully we come on, I think, next year, beginning of next year, apparently. So, really looking forward to that. Awesome. Now, uh, we usually do picks at this point, but before we do that, how do people find you online? I think that the best way is, is Twitter. It's at uh, Juan Stopa. You know, it's J-U-A-N-S-T-O-P-P-A. That's the, the best way for, you know, my, my DM are open, so anyone can reach me. Nice. One of my favorite communities to get involved with these days is the Angular community. There are so many great people there. We've had a lot of them on Adventures in Angular over the last several years. And I really wanted to just highlight people and give you a chance to get to know the flavor and the feel of being around some of these awesome people. We've talked to people on the Angular Core team. We've talked to people who have organized the conferences. We've talked to some of the co-hosts that I've had on Adventures in Angular. You get to hear what these people are about and why they care and how they get involved with other people in the Angular community. 
So if you're looking for that connection in the Angular community and a way to really understand the people who are involved in the Angular community, then go check out my Angular story. You can find it at myangularstory.com. Let's go ahead and do some picks. Shai, do you want to enlighten us with the awesomeness of the world? Yes, this is exactly what I want to do. Thank you. So I would like to recommend uh, people check out uh, Apollo, Client for Angular, which is uh, like the interface of uh, GraphQL. It's an interesting approach. I've been checking it out lately and doing some experiments. And it's like the only tool that I see that actually try to to give you a complete solution to state management and not just like the caching layer or like, you know, how to handle stuff in just one place. If you have more, tweet at me and give me more suggestions because I'm on a research right now. So that's one one thing I, I recommend. Uh, I recommend. And the other one is the other tool that we talked about, Test Team IO. I will put a link to that. And Silicon Valley, I, I'm waiting to see, like I downloaded everything and I'm waiting to see, to see it. So I will tell you if, it's the, if that's my pick next time when I'll finish binge watching everything, but if it was that good. But yeah, Silicon Valley, a great show. Those nice. are my picks. Alyssa, what do you have? Yeah. Well, we all know that Angular 9 has been postponed past the holidays, which I think is lovely. Um, <laughs> it's just a really good time for us to focus on family and friends and chilling. <laughs> so I think we should all take this time to, uh, to do so. And I have a couple tips. So me and my family love game night. And so we'll be traveling this Friday night to go see them. And uh, we love cranium sequence, uh, like even things like train, like the domino game. We just love, love, love board game night with the family. And we keep like a running score through all the games that we play. And there's like one winner at the end of the night. So that's fun. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My dad called me and he's like, tell your sister I'm coming after her championship. I was like, all right, dad. I'll tell her. (laughs) 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 But uh, so that, and then I'm also, me and my husband have been uh, watching all the Star Wars movies to prep for the the one that's coming out. And I'm sure by the time this show comes out, it will be out. But I'm so excited. We only have, I think, two more to go. So, um, and I I just want to put it out there. I know it's like politics. You probably shouldn't, but I'm just, I'm not a fan of... (laughs) So I get, what do you call them? The the originals? I love the Anakin story, but I'm not so much a fan of Luke's story. So I'm just going to put it out there. I know I'm the black sheep, but there you have it. So yeah. Shame, shame. <laughs> I know, right? I know. My husband was like, we can't tell people this. It's like, dang, it's you're a Republican. Secret. And now all the world knows, Alyssa. Yeah, the, the, know, the, the episodes that shall not be named, episodes one, two, and three. <laughs> Listen, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Maybe I need to sit down with someone who feels really passionately about it and have them point out why, because I love it. I love Anakin's story. I think he's so much cooler than Luke and Luke's story. So I'm like, what? What's wrong with these movies? So I don't know. Misa point out at least a one of the things that drives me nuts uh, about those episodes. Uh. I love him. He is so cute. I don't know why people are so annoyed by him. <laughs> Uh, my so uh, I, 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 I. <laughs> okay, save it for later. Chuck? 
I think I broke Chuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just broke I, Chuck. I, I just, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> you know those cheesy movies that have the little animal friend that can talk? <laughs> anyway. That's what you're saying he is? He's the cheesy animal friend? <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying that for me. So, okay, All right. great. I got you. I got you. All right. You're so, so, Somebody yeah. else. Somebody else go. <laughs> I've got some picks. Now, we play a ton of board games here, too. So I'm going to throw some of those out. I also, in the, the vein of where Shy went, first, The Expanse Season 4 is now available on Amazon Prime, and I'm super excited about that. Also enjoying The Mandalorian, which is, you know, in the vein of what Alyssa picked. But yeah, for board games, I, I have to throw out some of my favorites. One of them is, it's one of those games that's kind of a collaborative game, but you're all playing against one other player. It's called Letters from Whitechapel. If you've ever played Scotland Yard, it's like that, except better. Um, I've never played either. Can you give like a baseline? What kind of game is it? Right. So you have one player that plays the part of Jack the Ripper as a serial killer. And so Jack the Ripper picks which victim he's going to kill. And then everybody else plays the constables and they move around the board trying to find him. So you check a spot and if Jack has been there or is there, then Jack will tell you that there's a clue there for you. And so then you can... Uh, I gotcha. It's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of the werewolf games that we play, where like you're, you're villagers and you're trying to identify who are the werewolves. But in this case, there's only one person you're saying that you're yeah, trying to... Yeah, and you know who it is. Oh, you do? But, yeah, oh, but their, their oh, marker doesn't okay. show up on the board. They have a little notepad where they're annotating where they've been. And then, yeah, um, you see so you have four rounds to track them down. And their, their goal is to make it from the murder scene to their hideout, all four rounds. And if they make it to the, their uh, hideout without getting caught on the last round, then they win. And if you catch them before they make it to their hideout, then the, you know, then the detectives win. How many people do you play with? Like, you can, in you can this play type from of game? two to six players. Okay. Wait, wait, I, lo- I lost you. Are we still talking about Angular, Ivy? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You lazy load your uh, detectives. Anyway, um, <laughs> not directives, detectives. It's a ton of fun. And it's funny because my wife doesn't particularly like this game. But when I get together with, I have a group of guys that I play board games with every month. When we get together, we'll play like four rounds of it. The other one that we play that is a ton of fun is Shadowhunters. That one's a bit more like Werewolf with a board in front of you. And so you get like equipment cards and you do damage to other players and stuff like that. You have a hidden identity. And so, you know, you can reveal it and use your special power or you can sit on it until you're, you know, you're sure it's safe. Anyway, it it gets really fun. And then the other one that we've been playing a bunch of, and this is one that you can actually play with your kids tend to be older kids that can play this. So, you know, 10 and up kind of age range is King of Tokyo. And it's real simple. You just roll the dice a few times. There are cards that modify what you can do. But yeah, I mean, the rest of it is <laughs> being the last I, monster standing. I'm imagining you roll the dice and you're either the King of Tokyo or you're not. And that's the game. Yeah, well, if you're in Tokyo, <laughs> then you attack all the monsters not in Tokyo. And if you're not in Tokyo, you attack whoever's in Tokyo. And oh, anyway... Because <laughs> then you're it's, a monster. It's a ton of fun. Oh, and yeah, you're all monsters. Yeah, type of game. So, Love it. <laughs> so, so I'll pick those. Those are those are lots and lots of fun. If you're looking for some new games to play, Alyssa. And the listeners. And the listeners, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Juan, what are your picks? So my pick, I think Alisa already <laughs> picked it, but, but yeah, it was the imminent, imminent um, Angela night uh, coming out. They postponed and, uh, it. It's somewhat imminent now. Yeah. And then the other things I was looking today in Twitter is a what tool that I didn't know that is called Bispark. Bispark, I think. I'm going to post it. I think it's a, it's a Chrome tool to, I think it's to, you can kind of design things in the browser. There was um, Adi Osmani is just, you know, promoting it today. And, and oh, apparently nice. it's something that you can go into a website and check the layout and you can even check the, the Z index. And I, I haven't looked at it yet, but I, I found mm-hmm. it interesting. So I'm, I'm going to put the, the link there. Nice. So yeah, and, right. and probably Christmas. It could be the other big <laughs> Christmas is coming. And Hanukkah. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, Shai, just, how yeah. do you say it? Is it Hanukkah? Hanukkah. This is Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Not Hanukkah. Yeah. <laughs> was that your attempt at pronouncing it wrong? <laughs> I don't know, like an American way. Hanukkah. <laughs> We're celebrating Hanukkah. I think here, oh. I think most people call it Hanukkah, but... It's oh, really? not quite the way you pronounce it. So wait, ha- say yeah. Say, you need to spit. That... You need to spit on your microphone. Hanukkah. Hanukkah, right? Yeah, we don't have uh, like uh, Santa Claus, but uh, yeah. we have uh, sad songs, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is much better. I mean, it sounds better, right? Sad songs, yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you light a candle. Yeah, it's very fun. Very There's fun. a menorah, right? Yeah, it's you awesome. have a do- and you eat donuts. That's basically the whole Donut. Oh. donuts. Strawberry filled donuts. That's yeah. it. I'm partially converting just so I can get the donuts. Yeah, I, will se- <laughs> I will send you. They are hard as a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we need to talk. I don't think you know what a donut is. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, well, happy holidays, everybody. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Get some family time, definitely. All right. Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Juan, for uh, stepping up and uh, yeah, talking to us about it. Me, yeah. It's always interesting to hear another perspective on how some of these problems get managed. Thank you very much for your honesty and all the tips. It was mm. great. Yes, thank you. Okay. All right. Thank well, you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Max out, everybody. Charles Max. Heck yeah. <laughs> Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.